Hey everyone and welcome to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Peter and joining me as always, as always, is Tara. Greetings citizens. Oh nice, nice touch, nice touch. The Arnold voice. Um, this is our science fiction movie podcast where every single episode we, we get a sci-fi movie and we, we, we watch it together and then, well we don't watch it together necessarily, but we, we talk about it together. We get together and we talk about it. Uh, ins and outs. Sometimes it's a, it's a shitty little film, sometimes it's an old movie, sometimes it's a new movie, and sometimes it's a bonafide classic. And recently we did The Terminator because we are on the path to Dark Fate in November? September? I don't know. So, so, some, somewhere in that. We we figured it out when we scheduled out the episodes, we, kn- we knew we'd paced them out the right amount. But anyway, so naturally after The Terminator, we're here to talk about Terminator 2 judgment day electric boogaloo oh judgment day <laughs> yes judgment day. <laughs> and we're going to talk about this movie in depth um is it worth doing a spoiler free section of this movie i don't know yes i mean might as well okay we'll do a small small spoiler free section uh so <laughs> terminator 2 was seven years after the original um you know so 1984 to um, interestingly, uh, the longest gap between sequels is from two to three, um, and I remember you know because I grew up loving Terminator one and two. So Terminator three came out in two thousand three when I was fourteen. If you know, it felt like oh you know those first two were ancient because they were before I was well one was before I was born the other one wasn't but you know I was a baby I was like a toddler like I wasn't exactly watching Terminator two, right? Um, Maybe. <laughs> where, whereas you were already driving by that point, I'm sure. Um, so, <laughs> how dare you? I meant a tricycle. I meant a tricycle, not not a car. A tricycle. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, but the reason I mentioned this is that uh, Terminator Genesis to Dark Fate is actually the shortest gap between any of the sequels, believe it or not. Which is weird because Genesis was like by far the worst one that should have killed the franchise forever. Um, is yeah, but Dark Fate is not connected to Genesis, right? Well, no, but Genesis wasn't connected to Salvation, and Salvation wasn't connected to Three, either. <laughs> oh boy, okay. And then, but Dark Fate is connected to One and Two. So technically, they're all connected to One and Two. Yeah, because Genesis was also connected to One and Two. Yeah, and so was Salvation. So they've done this four times. Yeah, every sequel after <laughs> Two has been a, a new attempt at doing new sequels, but they've always ignored the other okay. sequels post Two. We're only counting the good ones. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, the the idea is basically is that Terminator Three, Terminator Salvation, Terminator Genesis, and Terminator Dark Fate are technically all Terminator Three. Okay. That's, really? I even even Salvation takes place after after two and not after three. Okay. I think so. I mean, it may have left it vague, but I mean. Uh, you literally didn't have to watch 3, it wouldn't matter. I think the only thing that makes you think that it might be connected to still to 3 and not just 1 and 2 is that he's got like a red-headed girlfriend, which he kind of had in that movie. <laughs> that is like the only the only thing. Okay. If I, from what I remember. Admittedly, once we rewatch it for review to review it, I mean, I don't know what we'll, we'll end up with. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I'm just the point. The point I was wanting to make is that the gap between Terminator One and Two is actually bigger than Terminator Genesis to Dark Fate. That that is like the sort of time span we were dealing with. Um, yeah, I mean, it felt like just recently that I watched that 
pile of flaming garbage it's <laughs> not, film. not going to be a long time and now we're going to have again. to do it again hey I, I, I was angry after Terminator Genesis so you can look forward to that discussion um, <laughs> we're going to have such a mad angry review there's going to be so much passion in that review it's going to be great um, not that there won't be passion in this one because it's Terminator 2 <laughs> but it's passion in the oh, other, yeah. other direction there's passion on the positive side um, because Terminator 2 is one of the best sequels ever made uh, and I think I can say that quite comfortably without anyone yelling at me. I'm not saying it's the best. That there's a debate for another time. Uh, <laughs> in fact, not only I, I will I will actually say it right here. It's not the best sequel ever made because it's not the best sequel that James Cameron's made. <laughs> Boom. We'll see. Avatar Two is coming out next year, right? I was referring to Aliens. Thank you very much. But sure, <laughs> sure. <laughs> um. So. Yeah, Terminator but 2. the best sequel that's ever made is technically Creed. Is that a sequel or a spinoff? It's a sequel. Rocky's in it. <laughs> so, and it's played by Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> so, so what? But Buffy, Buffy was in Angel, which is the spinoff of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the hit television show, I'll have you know. You don't think that it's a sequel to the Rocky films? I do. Because even the spinoff, like... For for the hit television show Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Angel or whatever. Uh, <laughs> clearly not a hit with everybody. Or whatever. <laughs> How dare yeah, you. Yeah, like Buffy was in it, but she wasn't in it. She's like in like three episodes or something, right? Like just whenever they wanted ratings to boost. <laughs> she, and, she was but in... Rocky's been in all of the Creed films, which are two. She was in two episodes in season one and that was it. She never came back after that. <laughs> Oh, there wasn't like another crossover. There was crossovers, but they did it in inventive ways. They had a crossover in season five of Buffy and season two of Angel, where it was the flashbacks of the vampires, which was set in like you know centuries ago. They crossed over, but not the present day stuff. Which that was a really sounds, neat. Sounds fascinating. This is absolutely fascinating. You shut your mouth. <laughs> shut your damn mouth. Just because, just because Buffy is better than Star Trek, I don't want to hear the jealousy. Okay. <laughs> I don't think you could even say that clearly. I, I mean, I didn't hear it clearly. It just came out like that's all I heard. Terminator Two, Terminator Two, Judgment Day, Judgment Day. Yes, is a sequel which obviously flips the roles where Arnold is back, but now he is the protector, and we have a new Terminator T One Thousand as the villain, and we've advanced. You know. Is it set in 1991? I think it is. I think so. It looks very 1991. No, no, no. It actually can't be. It's, it's definitely set later. John Connor's told. John, John Connor's not seven. <laughs> or six. Oh, yeah. Oh, is it 97? It's not 97 yet, I don't think, is it? Well, that is when Judgment Day happens, right? Yeah, like yeah, August yeah. 29th, 97? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they mention as well that uh, Miles Dyson uh, creates his chip and they start putting it in computers in 1995. So it's before 1995. Okay. That's a good point. Okay, so somewhere between 91 and 95. <laughs> but that's the thing, though. 1994, John Carr would be nine. John Carr's not nine. How does the timeline work? Did we just stumble upon a plot hole? What? Uh-oh. John Carter's like Watch twelve out or thirteen. He's like twelve or thirteen, <laughs> though, right? Like I'm not mad here. 
Oh, well, the first one came out when? Like 82? 84. 84? So he would have been, yeah, pretty young. Uh, whatever. We'll let it slide. Yeah, we'll let it slide. But I'm just saying. The... <laughs> anyway. Uh, so, yes. So, yeah, similar setup to the first film. Good, good guy sent back, bad guy sent back. You know, one or both are Terminators. Both in this case. And... Um, Sarah Connor is advanced of course she's had a lot of development in the off time um, we meet John Connor for the first time and um, yeah yeah. I guess that's the spoiler free description I don't, I don't, <laughs> that's just so weird I've never had to talk about Terminator 2 like worrying about spoilers before everyone's seen it um, yes I, I mean I suppose I'll ask the question as, as much as it doesn't seem like a, a worthwhile venture Tara do you enjoy Terminator 2 Judgment Day <laughs> Yeah, I love it. Of course I do. <laughs> it's a great movie. It's like a pinnacle of action films. It changed action movies forever. And then it gave us two great car chases and special effects that were used for later on. I don't know if you watched like behind the scenes stuff like on television growing up, but they always used footage from T2. And I can tell you the exact scenes when we get to spoilers. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> um I don't know if I ever saw that in TV, but I did extensively watch the features on the Ultimate Edition DVD back in the day when I had it. Mm. Um, and in fact, interesting tidbit, because we should mention what cuts we watched uh, for this. Oh, yeah. Because um, uh, it's interesting, because you watched a special edition for the first time ever. Yeah, I thought, why not? I've never seen it. And um, yeah, it's, it's okay. Um, there's a really big scene that's in there that's not in i don't think the original cut because it seemed very new to me uh yeah we'll, we'll, we'll talk about uh because i i know fairly well which is it spoilers if it's the scene that gets cut from the theatrical version though i mean the special editions <laughs> in enough circulation that i'd argue yeah because it's just as valid i guess all right um, so i won't say what it is yeah um I mean, we won't be doing too much of a spoiler-free section here, I don't think, because there's not a whole lot to say uh, before we get to the actual plot. But um, I watched the theatrical cut because I prefer the theatrical cut. I think the pacing's better. Um, I can see that. So typically, and the funny thing is, is that for a long time I had no choice. I had to watch the special edition <laughs> because when I was young and I had it on VHS, right, which was taped off TV, which is notable because obviously it was pan and scan because this was way before widescreen was a thing at home. Um the title when it comes on screen you know the, the two metal shutters that come in and go clank and it's like right it says terminator 2 judgment day across the screen right on the wide screen like the, the the proper aspect ratio which everyone should be watching it in now because there's no excuse um that you know, goes all left to right is completely fills the screen vhs pan and scan version you can't read the whole title you just see the middle of it <laughs> They didn't even bother just, doing... like, zoom out or anything? No, no, no. I guess not. Or, like, go across? No, they, they, they didn't even bother doing that. They, they just You just don't see the whole title. Um, and I remember as a kid okay. being confused and wondering why you only saw the middle of the title. And it wasn't until later when I learned about aspect ratios and pan and scan and so on and so on. Yeah. I had this on VHS as well, but I had the, like, official... I didn't tape it off television. <laughs> not that I didn't do that for plenty of films, but, like, this one... I think it was a Christmas gift to my uh, brother, sure. so we had it and we watched I, it until it was just nothing but snow. I think I had like three official tapes, and then I had literally hundreds of taped off TV movies. 
Yeah. <laughs> that was basically my movie watching. So I one of the, the first DVD I ever bought that didn't come in a DVD player back when this was about 2001, 2002, something around there. Um, so middle school kind of age uh, to put it into okay. uh, silly American terms. American terms. Yeah. Um, the first DVD I ever made a point of going and buying was Terminator 2. I wanted it. And it was the ultimate edition and really good double disc set right however there was one negative versus the u.s version of this exact same set no commentary no the commentary was there um oh, that's always the thing i want from dvds me too that's my favorite feature as well um so but the thing that was missing was the theatrical cut because the u.s dvd had seamless branching so that you could pick either theatrical or special edition and you could watch either version the uk dvd was the same except you couldn't do that it was just a special edition cut uh so for a long time that was the only option i had so i saw it a bunch of times because it was terminator 2 of course i watched it several times um however uh by the time i was in my later teens i had a multi-region dvd player and they released an extreme edition dvd in the us which again had the different cuts i imported that just so i could have the theatrical cut because i liked the theatrical cut more uh luckily the blu-ray has the option of both which is what i have now but yeah i i went with the special edition not only because i hadn't seen it before but it actually took me a long time before i saw the special edition of aliens Mm. another james cameron sequel and that those deleted scenes that were added back into the special edition really like changes a lot of the motivation of characters and stuff so i thought well let me see what this one offers because sure. it's the same director and but i don't think it really adds all that much not a whole ton there's one pretty good scene that would have been nice to keep but other than that not so much the funny thing about aliens is, is that i'm of i'm of like a 50 50 on aliens because i think the added stuff about ripley's daughter is so important and essential oh yeah like i had no idea that she had a daughter yeah the stuff that I wish, like I, I wish I got a cut that was like a mix that had that put back in, and maybe because the stuff later on with some turrets, turrets. that's just kind of fun, yeah. But the stuff that I actually think I prefer not being there is uh, seeing the uh, the base before they go there. Like you see, like the family, you see like Newton or family. Oh like, yeah, that's not necessary. I like when we go in in media's knowing, rest. Also, yeah. we're just like, what happened here? Yeah, I like that. I don't like seeing what happened before they get there at all. Like I don't want that. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's so, so that's so aliens in the middle where half of it's actually really important and adds a lot to the movie and then at the other, other extreme end from Terminator 2 where it's all important and like absolutely never watch the theatrical cut under any circumstance the abyss the special edition is the only one to watch because the movie is oh. missing everything I haven't seen that film since it was on VHS also <laughs> so I don't know if I've ever seen the special edition there's not an anamorphic DVD never mind the Blu-ray it is absolutely dire like Trying to watch The Abyss, the DVD that currently exists on a modern TV, is like watching a 240p YouTube video. It is abysmal. I've complained about I'll this wait. before. I know. I, 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 I love that movie and I've not watched it in like 15 years because I'm waiting for a better version <laughs> that I can actually watch. Cameron, pause Avatar for like two days, go and approve the HD Master, which you've admitted is sitting on your goddamn desk and oh yeah let me get my blurry <laughs> oh dear anyway uh, so uh, so that's some backstory into my various editions of i mean Terminator he has to, like there has to be like an anniversary or something because when titanic came like had 
five anniversaries. Like he kept re-releasing it in theaters and on DVD and Blu-ray and HD, 4K or whatever. Um, I mean, he's got to do it, right? Just come on, Fathom Events, put on an anniversary of the Abyss. Yeah. Force him to do it. Anniversary of the Abyss, that, that's a great idea, Tara. Do you know what would be a, a great time, the 30th anniversary? Do you know when the 30th anniversary is? Uh, I think it's past. It's this year. Oh, really? I'm pr- come I'm pr- on, Fathom. You still have time. I'm pretty sure it was 89 it came out. No, it is, because it came out the year I was born. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 30, so so is the Abyss. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Great movie. Anyway, so without spoilers, then just talking about what works in Terminator 2. Uh, obviously, the cast that come back are great again. Arnold, Linda. I heard. Oh. Okay, yeah. So Sarah Connor, Linda Hamilton comes back and she is so different from her previous character. I don't think this is spoilers yet, but like she is super ripped. I heard she had had a baby like two weeks before she made the decision that she was going to work out for this film to become super ripped. And she only had four months to do it. That is insane. Like even I heard that because Arnold like said it in an interview once and Arnold was impressed, like very impressed. He'd never seen a transformation that fast before. And that's come from Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> you know, that, <laughs> that is so awesome. That sounds to me like Christian Bale level of body like changes. Yeah, but no one made a fuss about it, you know? I mean, everybody admired her sure. when the movie came out. But like... Well, I, th- yeah. I think the reason why everyone admires Christian Bale is because he he constantly goes back and forth for every single movie where he goes from being muscly to... Yeah, he's a chameleon. But nobody is impressed by it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> now it's just expected yeah well i i've lost like a little bit of weight and i feel like i've moved the earth to make that happen <laughs> so yeah. yeah it's true it's i difficult. mean i'm still impressed but like christian bale i i think he's just made of elastic yeah he could just, <laughs> he could just do it he could just do it he's a water wants. balloon human i don't think he's real <laughs> i love the idea that when he was doing american hustle because he had to get like overweight for that he was like oh i can just eat as many donuts as i want for the next like four months this is gonna be great yeah oh dear vice although i think he wore a fat suit for vice vice was an interesting one because he, he completely changed his face as well he did a lot uh of prosthetics in that i think um yeah but no, the cast coming back are really good the action is good i mean obviously one of the things we have to talk about between one and two here is the budget increase because terminator one i believe was a six million dollar budget six or seven amazing yeah, ridiculous how good that movie is on that budget. And then... Just to have the, like, skeleton alone. Yeah. Yeah. And then Terminator 2, notably in the future scene at the start, has tons of, you know, metal uh, endoskeletons because they've got a budget. In fact, if I, if I remember my trivia right, Terminator 2 was uh, the highest budgeted movie of all time when it came out. Because um, it, it, it was $100 million, which at the time was, like, $100 million? For a movie, whereas now that's like medium-sized budget. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, they, they had so many practical effects, plus the very beginning stages of like computer effects. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, th- I think if you actually have to go back to the first movie that had CG, you're, you're going back to like technically a movie from like, the '70s, which because it came from a computer, it counts as CG, even though it's not exactly what we think of as cgi uh of course though we have to mention the abyss here again because the abyss did have cgi as with well with the water phase yeah 
I'm telling you, I've seen this so many times in the like behind the scenes of movie yep. magic on TV. <laughs> <laughs> it's always the abyss face, water face thing, and then it's T2 where he's like liquid metal around, and there's like two scenes they always show, and then it's Jurassic Park and they're always showing the uh, the scene with the Gallimimus running, mm-hmm. and like the the kids and Sam Neill are like running away. And there's just these combs coming out of their heads. And so like it follows everywhere they look so they know where to add the dinosaur. I've seen that so many times. <laughs> I can't watch that scene without seeing cones coming out of their heads now. <laughs> that was right around the time that cone heads came out as well. Yeah. This crossover potential is what I'm saying. Narfal the Garfok. <laughs> Ooh, aliens. We should do that one. I haven't I mean, seen. Technically, they come from France, but yeah, I haven't seen Conehead since I was like ten. So I, mean, I don't even know if I like it or if it holds up. I uh, snarfling the Garthok, <laughs> that line holds up. Sure, sure. <laughs> and you already talked me into Rocket Man, and I don't know if I if that was a good idea. Um, uh, I didn't talk you into that. That was from the creator of Masterpiece, um, Chernobyl. <laughs> it was relevant. And it was a great movie. So, um, now you're right. Practical effects all over the place. And one of the things that's great about this is that the CG has kind of aged. Like, I I always like, uh, like you know, applaud it for not overdoing it because it 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 really only uses CG when it needs to. Because if it can do it practically, yeah. it does it practically. And all the practical effects hold up. There's a, there's two in particular watching it this time that I thought or three actually. The just the practical effects that just hold up so well, they look real, and I'm like, this is not aged a day in terms of these practical effects. Not a yeah. day. They look phenomenal. Stan Winston is, it, is a man. Yeah, is it the uh, like Cronenberg scene? You know, talk about. I don't think I know what you're talking about. What's the Cronenberg okay. scene? Oh wait. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure when you reference what what Cronenberg thing you're talking about, I'll clock it but that may still spoil it it's so. like metal cronenberg okay sure okay yes yes okay yes that's that's one of them yes um very good it looks awesome um so no, practical effects are great cg's uh, good for i mean it's impressive for its time obviously nowadays like i'm looking at it and going yeah i can see it looking a bit ropey compared to modern cg you know um sure it's passable though and like yeah. you said they don't overdo it yeah well i don't hold it against it like i'm not sitting going ah blah, blah, you know effects that are very good or anything like that like no like like at a time they were revolutionary at a time they were blowing people's yeah. minds uh for for very good reason so no um if, if i'm going to like compare it to the first one and like because so, you know i said quite openly in the last review that i prefer terminator one uh it's something that i've like as a kid i didn't but as an adult i've, I've come to appreciate terminator one more and i'll get into maybe a couple of the little things as well in the plot uh as we go through it but if i'm t- just a sort of blanket statement is i do think the the pacing is just perfect in terminator one and in terminator two there is just a little bit of a weird sort of lull that then tangents off to the left <laughs> so yeah you know the, the plot like, the, i know i know what you're talking about yeah because the back half of this movie it almost feels like a different movie it almost feels that like we've just went in a different direction from what the movie was for the yeah. first half um which i think is intentional i don't think it's a mistake it's just i i don't think it's as neat or as works as perfectly as terminator one mm-hmm. 
And that's the key phrase there, as perfectly. <laughs> Still great, just not as perfectly. Uh, so, no. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's, that's spoilers. Phil spoilers okay. for Terminator 2. Um, okay, so, first thing I want to say, how is it that Terminator 2, one of the biggest movies of all time, uh, one of the you know most beloved classics of all time, how is it from a production company that I have never seen in another single film? That you've never seen what? The, the production company at the start, the logo is like Corolco or something like that. It's this like C oh, thing. Yeah, and, the C thing. Yeah, and like I literally every I was time I'm wondering, like, have I seen that before or like in other movies, or have I just watched this movie a lot? Yeah, no, like <laughs> I, I only know it from this movie and I have nostalgia for it because of Terminator 2, but I have literally never seen it in another film. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that was. What was was Orion for the first Terminator? The first one, yeah. Huh. And they did a few things. Like Orion weren't, you know. Yeah, they did a lot of like, like horror movie stuff too, right? Yeah, they did RoboCop. I, I think they did. Oh, RoboCop's so good. A lot of low budget stuff. Yeah, right. RoboCop's an episode someday. We'll do all the RoboCops. Well, hold off. But before uh, Verhoeven's sequel next year. Ooh, that's right. Okay. Um. Yeah, I don't know what that was, but you're right. Like, I did notice it. I'm like, this is so familiar. Like, what else have I seen it on? But I, I might just be that I've watched this movie many times. Joe, Joe's amazing about this movie is, like, before I put it in, I was like, oh, I wasn't, like, not looking forward to it, but, like, I wasn't excited either. I was like, yeah, Terminator, I've seen it a hundred times. Like, Terminator 2, whatever, right? I put it in, and that logo comes up, and then after the logo, um, it's the shot of the cars coming down the highway, and you just hear the... Dun-dun, dun-dun. and i'm like oh i'm into it <laughs> like, like i just it yeah. comes flooding back like all the feelings i'm not into the narration and i think this is like a 90s thing where they felt like the audience mm. is too dumb they're gonna need setup you can't just put them into a situation or a scenario that's different from their reality without giving them explanation up front you know i i don't well, think it's necessary for the record though Terminator 1 did have the explanation as well. It just wasn't narration. It was text. Yeah, it was text. Yeah. And I guess because of the budget, maybe it needed it. But I don't think this one does. Sure. Sure. Um, it it kind of comes off a bit clunky. Like, I love Linda Hamilton in this movie. She's so good. But uh, I don't love her reading it. I don't know what it is. Is it just the opening narration or is it every time she narrates? Yeah. Every time, okay. Um, well, I mean, like the opening and closing for sure. Because because there's one in the middle where she's talking about uh, like the Terminator being kind of a father figure. Yeah. Um, and I don't think yeah. you get um, you get I don't that. Know if that's with... really necessary. I think if she's like looking at her son playing with an older man, like I think we can kind of get that from it enough from her acting. Okay. But you know, I think it's kind of a tropey thing that died out in films. And I think there's a, a reason why. It feels dated. It feels like a movie from this time. And I don't think it's necessary. I don't think you're wrong. But the funny thing is, is that one of the things that happens with movies like this where you grew up watching, you know, I started watching Terminator 2 probably like five years old. And I watched sure. it so much as a kid. I watched it so much as a teenager that like everything's just so ingrained in my brain that the idea of changing something like this and <laughs> taking it It's supposed to be there though, Tara. Yeah, it's supposed yeah. to be there. It's always been there, Tara. Don't you understand? <laughs> this is Terminator 2. It's Terminator 2. Um, 
you know, so it's... But I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. It doesn't really need to be there. Um, I will say, though, I love the opening shots. And it's one of these things we're watching it now and I'm thinking about it a little bit more critically because we're going to talk about it and, like, it's going to be an episode. And it cuts to the, the, the playground and the you know, the girl in the swing, right? Um, mm-hmm. And then it comes back later, of course, during the opening titles where the, the, the opening titles are coming over, the, the shots of the playground on fire, right? Um. And that's a little story in and of itself that we see the playground and then we see it on fire. Um, but what I love about it is that later on in the film, when uh, Sarah Connor has her nightmare, um, and in the theatrical cut, it's just one nightmare, but there's a, in the yeah. special edition, there's a, an earlier one with Michael Bean coming back. No, everything else. I know. I didn't know he was in this movie. I know. I know it's <laughs> crazy, right? It's nice to see him, but the scene's pointless. I don't think the scene's necessary at all. Um, it's not, but it is nice to see him work again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and his green trench coat and everything. He's, he's all... the same clothes, yeah. yeah I mean, it makes sense as to why, but like. But I love the idea that you know later on when we see her dream and again it's her watching the playground like burn. Um, is like no that this this thing from the start this idea of like, um, her obsession with this playground and the idea of watching it burn in nuclear fire is the motivation for all of her thing throughout because. I don't think the movie is is solely hers as, as Terminator One was. I think there's more of a blanket ensemble uh, arc here because I think I think it's almost equal to the Terminator's movie, and he also no, has an but arc. she's she's the character that we know from the first one. I mean, clearly we know Arnold Schwarzenegger also, but we but he is supposed to be different, and it's still her like her journey. You know, it's because we know Terminator One, we follow Sarah Connor, and now we see her as his like badass version that we've never seen before we're still following her oh sure but, but i think it's more equal this time like because i think the first movie is her movie and there's no there's it's not even a debate this time i think the terminator is almost an equal footing with her in the sense that they both have arcs and they're both essential yeah. to the core theme of the movie which is humanity and i'll talk about that a bit more later because we're, we're just talking about the opening right now <laughs> but um so you you have a, a future war sequence at the start, and unlike the first movie, there's not like a couple of flashbacks throughout because there's no Kale having flashbacks. There's no, you know, yeah. Kale having nightmares. Although what I think is really interesting to me though is that when Sarah does have her dream and she falls asleep, which because she's she's literally watching like the uh, her friend like play with with his son, like his little boy, um, it's very reminiscent to Kale falling asleep in the first film when he's watching the machines and the tractors and stuff, and he starts thinking right. about the future war. Um, so I, I thought that was a neat, nice little thematic touch between their their experiences in the two films. Um, mm-hmm. but I just wanted to mention the future war scene because a you can tell the budget's much higher because uh, there's tons of endoskeletons you know going there's around. So many skulls. So many skulls. There's so many laser beams and flying machines and things flipping and exploding and uh, it's a fun little like sequence like. And it, the sad part is, is like when when they announced Terminator Salvation, I was a little bit excited because I'm like, oh, future war movie. You want to see this war, yeah? And it didn't feel anything like this. Didn't feel. No, it was like welcome to Black Hawk Down yeah. with Terminators. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, like all the guns here are laser beams. Where were the laser beams in, in Terminator Salvation? Oh, you're right. I don't remember. I don't remember laser beams in that movie. Maybe I maybe I just maybe I just all the plasma them. rifles. Yeah. Yeah. I want beams. I want pew pew pew. <laughs> <laughs> so no, so we come Arnold's arrival, uh very reminiscent again to the Rebels in the first film. Um 
one of the things interesting here is that he has a new main theme, right? Instead of the boom, 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 boom from the first film, he instead has um, this, it's almost like a metallic. It's like a, it's like a hammer hitting a a bit of metal. It's like a ding, ding. Yeah. But there's a different sound for the T1000, but it's something sim- oh, yeah, similar oh, but oh, more oh, sinister. Oh he, yeah, he's he's way different. I'm just talking about Arnold. Uh, it's team. almost like a steel drum for him. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Because uh, actually, there's there's one moment in the film actually where I wish they used the theme from the first film, um, and I forget what it was now. There was one <laughs> maybe moment. We'll come back. Yeah, yeah, maybe we'll come back when I get to the scene. Um, uh, so you know. As we know from the first film, he has to go get some clothes, and he goes to this 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 baker bar, and <laughs> I need your clothes, your boots, and your bike. It's my favorite thing to say to people. I, I believe it was your clothes, your boots, your motorcycle. Just for the record, <laughs> I, it's true. I like saying bike. <laughs> no, it's a great scene. Um, I can't say motorcycle; it's too long of a word for <laughs> me to keep the accent. <laughs> what's, what's what's interesting about this scene and, and i remember some little tidbits that i remember from commentaries and and whatnot is uh they didn't want arnold to kill anyone in this opening scene even though theoretically there's no reason why he shouldn't just because they didn't thematically want him yeah. to be murdering people because it's not till later when john tells him no don't kill that exactly he yeah right. uh, but so- still you, it, it works for the contrast between seeing him and seeing the t-1000 who instantly kills Oh, sure, yeah, absolutely. Although, I, I do think the movie, at least on a first viewing, is supposed to make you question, like, which one's the good one, like, before they get to John. Um, yeah. I, I think it is kind of doing that, but... um, So, you get bad to the bone. Uh, can't let you take the man's wheel, son. Did you recognize <laughs> that guy? I didn't. Who was it? He was the Santa Claus in Trancers. <laughs> Go. Yeah. How did did you recognize him? <laughs> no, but I was looking at the the cast and um I I just kind of stumbled across it Jeez. and I was like, "Oh my god, it is him" because I looked up the two pictures. <laughs> yeah. Holy crap. All right. Well, fair enough. Uh, there you go. Yeah. If you want to see our review of Transfers, it's only $1 a month. On patreon.com slash mailfuzztv. Um, oh, speaking, speaking of bonus episodes, actually, we did Judge Dredd, you know, 1995, the first one. Um, the director of that, Danny Cannon, is directing episodes of Pennyworth right now because his name popped up in the credits this week when I was watching that, and I was like, holy shit. No reason for me now to watch it. Yeah, Danny Cannon popped up. Yeah. Still, still yeah, doing... The guy's still working. He's still working, yeah. working all these years later. Yeah. Uh, I looked up his uh, IMDb. He has like tons of CSI credits. Like he's been in CSI for years. Yeah. Well, it was on. So those shows make money. Yep. Um, too much money. <laughs> People need to watch better TV. Anyway, uh, so Arnold, Arnold, uh, I guess his bike goes off. But I think the important thing to note here, as much as it's cool that he takes the sunglasses, right? Well, bad to the bones playing. There is actually a really neat little touch here um, in the in the storytelling where in the first film, he starts off without sunglasses and he gets them halfway through after he's injured to like disguise his eye, right? So the idea that he becomes less human as the movie goes on, whereas in Terminator 2, he essentially starts with the sunglasses and they come off like halfway through. And it's like mm. he's becoming more human throughout the film. I see. 
Plus, he, he looks really cool. <laughs> Plus, he looks really cool. <laughs> Maybe it's just the uh, the music choice, yes. but uh, he does look really cool. Ba -ba 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 bad to the bone. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and we get the introduction of the T-1000 um, who arrives. Um, and in HD, you can see a little bit of his ball sack if you're really looking for it. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I'll try it again. <laughs> Oh yeah, you need Robert Patrick. You need the sleek, the sleek uh, death machine. <laughs> Didn't notice. No. Joe, Joe, I like about T one thousand. This actually is I like that. Not only is obviously he more unassuming because he's a smaller guy, which was originally the idea for the Terminator in the first one. Um, is that he's also better at blending in because he has these little mannerisms with people when he's talking to them that feel more natural. He is really good at, uh, yeah. So that that is it. Like that's the improvement, right? Not yeah. only is he made of liquid metal, but he's also very good at interacting with people. So he's just better at playing off as human. Yeah, like is, he's is, even like talking to kids at some point, and like kids would be would notice. That, although he's not perfect because hmm. he's not able to recreate some people to the, where it's believable for others who know them. Oh sure, yeah, um, because he. When he t we just when he goes to talk to the the foster parents, he like he has these little things where he looks at the photo and goes, "That's a good looking boy," and he you know it's just this earnest little compliment he gives them, and right, it's like yeah. we never got that from the T eight hundred. Yeah, the Arnold, Arnold would never do that. Um, so you know, it's just this little touch where you know Arnold's still this rigid, you know, speaking very robotically, you know, affirmative, and you know, yeah. Uh, Plus, he's all about like the like the shortest path from A to B. Mm. you know like he's just the epitome of uh like brute strength he, not only does he look like it he's designed for it but clearly he's programmed for it too like everybody's trying to use codes to get into doors and he just walks through them <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah a very different type of terminator yes yes um so i, I like that i like that little touch uh, also nice little touch on the um the the police computer when he looks up john connor it says mother, uh, you know, Connor, Sarah, father unknown. Just a nice little... Yeah, I noticed that too. Just a neat little thing. Uh, so we meet John Connor, uh, little Edward Furlong, and his uh, friend with the ginger mullet. Uh, and they're, <laughs> <laughs> they're little hellraisers. They're, they're stealing money out of uh, ATMs and going to the arcade to spend their $300. Um, good fun. Good fun. <laughs> Yep, let's go to the mall because it's the nineties. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, yeah. So, so the opening, like, cause the opening movie is very introductory because we we meet John Connor, we meet both Terminators, and we meet Sarah Connor, of course, in the the hospital uh, where we see that she's been locked up because she tried to blow up a computer factory, and uh, Silberman, uh, from the first movie, is her doctor, and is like, I'm going to write a book about you. Basically, you you're such a crazy case. Uh. We hear that she stabbed him in a kneecap <laughs> a few weeks ago. Yeah, so she has some rage. She has some rage. Uh, she's doing the classic thing where she's got... Uh, and I say classic thing just in the sense that it's become a classic thing from this movie where she's flipped the bed up and she's doing the, the pull-ups on the bed. Um, awesome. Neat little thing. When, she, when, uh, when Linda Hamilton appeared in Chuck season four as Chuck's mother, when they first found her, they had to break her out of a prison and it wasn't like super focused on but if you looked at the security cameras in the background you could see her doing the push-ups or the pull-ups rather um in her room it was a really funny touch it's awesome um 
Yeah, so actually one of the first big changes of the cuts is uh, here. Um, so Silverman turns to uh, the orderly, uh, Creepy Lick Man, I'll, and we'll get to why we're calling him that a little bit. <laughs> licky face guy. Licky yeah. face guy. Uh, and says, I don't want the patients, you know, messing their, you know, trashing their rooms like this. Is I'll take care of it, Dr. Silverman. And the theatrical cut, that's the end of the scene. Uh, and the special edition, they go into the room and beat her senseless with their nightsticks. Oh, that's an added scene? That's an added scene. That seemed familiar to me, but... All right. I didn't recognize any of the other big scenes, so I still think this is the first time I've seen it. The special edition. It's probably just because he's such a shithead and licks her face later that you just figured this was going on anyway. Yeah, that's true. Okay. I think what's interesting for me, though, watching it is, like... It's, this was the one time in the whole movie where I felt something was missing because the way it cut at the end of the scene, I was like, no, don't they go in and beat her up? I was like, oh, that must be the extended <laughs> cut, obviously. Duh. <laughs> Silly sausage. Um, so, yeah, so we find out that Silver's not believing her. She's trying to, like, fake it so she can get out and get to minimum security so she can leave and blah, blah, blah. She wants to get back to John. Um, so I actually, obviously, we have the big meeting scene and the, the, the chase that takes place after it, where they're at the mall and both Terminators show up and uh, there's the neat little touch here that Arnold's walking, he's, he's got his shotgun disguised in a box of roses because Guns N' Roses did a song for the movie, so they had to do a Guns N' Roses <laughs> thing. I didn't think about that. <laughs> oh yeah, back when movies had songs that were made for film. Yeah, the credits. Yep. And the weird thing is, some of them you don't even necessarily believe they were written for the movie. I don't think this one was. What does You Could Be Mine have to do with the plot of Terminator 2? No, I don't know. It was just the era of MTV, you know? <clears throat> if we get a hit band to make a song that's exclusive for our film, it'll promote our movie. You mean back when MTV just showed music videos and didn't, you know, in concerts and didn't have original <laughs> yeah. programming that was like Scream the TV series? Um... <laughs> I don't know. I've never seen that. I watched some of it. So they just usually lock teenagers into a house with cameras and see what happens. Yes, and then have a lot of lawsuits later about what teenagers did on TV. Yes. <laughs> so you get the big blow off, but they're at either end of the hallway, and he's like, "Get down!" And you know, get down. And do you know what I love about this, just from a, a mechanical point of view, compared to the first movie, is that immediately we have this different thing where. Okay, Kyle in the first movie had to protect Sarah, and he had to like race her out there. He had to, it was you know, just by the skin of his teeth, right? Mm -hmm. Arnold, you know, Terminator, his first tactic here is to just turn around and shield John from the the bullets because he can take the hits. And immediately yeah. it's like, well, this is completely different from the first movie. All of a sudden, we have a hero who can take all this punishment in a way that Kyle never could. Um, yeah, he's just a tank. It's a different dynamic, and that's really nice. And there's a, there's a reference to the first movie as well. When uh, Arnold gets thrown out the window, he kind of gets up the same way that he did in the first one. Mm. Yeah, you're right. When he went through the window at the club. Um, and yep. the co-writer, William Wisher, has got a cameo in that scene. He's holding the camera. He's like, he's like the stunned like civilian <laughs> holding his camera. Oh, okay. That's cool. The, that's the co-writer. That's yeah. the guy who's read the com or watched the commentary right there. <laughs> <laughs> He, he does do the commentary with Cameron, yes. That's, this is true. Um, it's been a while, though. I haven't, I haven't listened to commentary in, like, a decade. So, I mean, it's not like it's fresh, but I probably listened to it more than once. It probably has. I believe you. Yeah. Uh, so, we have the big uh, 
arguably one of the best action scenes in the movie. Although, the more I've seen this scene, that's a great scene. It's a fantastic scene. But the more I've seen this scene um, over the years since I was a kid, like there was times where I always noticed a stunt double, and there was, and but now I feel like I notice every time there's a stunt double in this scene, like because of the HD. Because of the HD. Uh, although the one thing that I did always notice as a kid that still bugs the shit out of me. Is see when Arnold, so he's 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 in the higher level and he's trying to get to him and they're on the underpass bit and you know T one thousand is chasing him in the truck and John's in his bike and his bike's not as fast so he's, he's struggling to keep ahead. Um, Arnold goes down like this thin sort of wall, right, and he goes flying off mm-hmm. the end of it, right, and the stunt double is he's flying off the wall is really obvious, but that's not what I'm complaining about. That's fair enough, right? Do you know, actually, do you know what I was thinking, you know that deep fake stuff. I feel like you could go back and fix some stunt doubles <laughs> with some deep fake. <laughs> It's so easy. I don't mind. I mean, it's kind of endearing. It is. I mean, I don't want them to do that. I'm just saying you could. Like, if they fix did that it. with Shatner in the <clears throat> arena episode with a Gorn, I would be so upset because I love <laughs> that you can see his stunt double. <laughs> but so here's the thing that bugs me here, right? And I'm sure people, lots of people, have noticed this and will will be knowing what I'm about to say. The shot that's sort of a POV of the bike as he's driving mm-hmm. up to it, right, looking at the edge of the wall, it's it's a point it's a triangular ending to the to the wall it's got a point when it comes to the shot from the front where he comes flying off of it it's not yeah. a point anymore it's a rectangular ending oh okay and every time i watch this movie there's just a little bit of me that gets annoyed when that when that cut happens <laughs> because it's just so blatant and i'm like how did you need- yeah oh. well wait till we get to jurassic park and the editing mistakes that i have because oh, i have oh. a list of many there's hey just just wait until my rant about how there's a, a, suddenly a giant pit at the side of the road where there wasn't one before. Just just wait sure. for my rant on that. Not just that, but Ian Malcolm teleports like from the top of that pit to the bottom of the pit in <clears throat> a single scene. <laughs> he does. Uh, he and the whole truck that he's in teleports. Anyway, that's for another that's day. What I, that's what I'll do. You know, I don't really notice that, but I do really focus on Arnold's face during that scene because I know it's just a mask. <laughs> and I can't take my eyes off of it. <laughs> now, um, so this stuff was really obvious, but it's, it's got a bit of a charm to it now. Um, and Joe, you know I love it. Like, I think the soundtrack in this is great. I think Brad Fidel came back and did the music. And- yeah, the soundtrack in this scene in particular with the truck and stuff is is really intense and i don't really know this guy for anything else just terminator one too pretty much yeah Yeah. but do do, do you know what i really like about this one is the term the theme that plays as he goes around the truck and grabs you know because i love that shot where he just picks up john connor and puts him on his own bike like that's a great little moment uh but the the theme that's playing there obviously it's kind of playing with notes of the main theme but it's essentially his hero theme. It plays a few times in the film, and it's always when he's doing something heroic, where he's saving John. It's the uh, right, like it's, it's like a different like sort of version of the main theme. Right. Um, it's it's a really neat touch. And as I was watching it this time, I was kind of noticing exactly when that played and when his because mm. up until this point, the thing that was playing was the uh, you know the, the you know his theme. That's the, the the again the hammer hitting the metal thing, right? It's it's basically his evil theme. For, for this yeah, movie yeah that's all i noticed to be honest yeah um <laughs> which is fine like it you know and the truck's driving underneath the uh, it's not really an overpass because they're like driving on the la river beautiful i know the la river yes the empty <laughs> uh, uh, la river yes um and uh like 
when he goes underneath that one bridge or whatever, the overpass, and like it takes out the top of the truck, like, and then he just pops right back up from it. <laughs> it's such a great scene. And I really noticed the theme there, like, okay, this is the evil guy's theme. Oh, yeah. Sure. And I think it's just like that, yeah, it's like a hammer hitting an anvil, like, over and over again. But it's so effective. It's simple and effective oh, and it's memorable. Great. Really, um, like, you, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's made for for you to think about metal. <laughs> I remembered. I remembered when I wanted the theme from T1 to play. I remembered. Oh. It's when we're introduced to Miles Dyson, right? And he goes into the vault and he looks at the arm from the first movie. Oh, he gets the arm. Right? That should... Cause it, cause, and the reason why I thought of it is because it plays Arnold's um, like kind of evil-sounding theme from this movie. And, st- and I thought, no, no, no. It should be the dun-dun-dun-dun. Because it's the Terminator 1's arm. It should be his theme that right. plays. Damn it. Um, minor nitpick. Minor nitpick. I'm just saying. <laughs> God, do you not like this movie or something? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, so, no, like, so it's a great chase scene. I love that the, like, after the truck explodes, the, the tire coming, rolling out. And like Arnold's got the gun. In fact, little mistake that happens here, well, that almost happens, is Arnold puts his gun away without looking back because he's still staring at, in, in case the T one thousand comes out, and he actually brushes John Connor's head with it, like he, he, like oh, really? like a like a millimeter over, and he I just smacked him in the face. Um, <laughs> he's just that good. Credit to Edward Furlong for not breaking character because it was like really close to just like hitting him. Um, so. But again, yeah. it's one of those little things where I've just seen the movie so much that I noticed this now, and I'm like, hey, tell and this face. is one of the scenes where, like, during the behind-the-scenes like movie magic episodes <laughs> that they would always play on TV, they would always show the T1000 walking out of the fire mm-hmm. and then turning back into um, Robert Patrick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very good. Um, no, uh, no, great moment. Because what, what I like about this movie is that it keeps establishing the rules of what he is. Because we've not heard Arnold explain it yet, what he is. We've just seen, you know, Liquid various metal. things. <laughs> Liquid metal. You know, it's obviously something to John as well, like immediately going, wait a minute, you're a Terminator. My mom's not crazy. Like, this is all true. <laughs> this is all, wasn't just some nut job story. Yeah, because that's how he thought of his mom, like the full during the beginning of his introduction it's just been him explaining that his mom's in you know like it sounds like he he admires his mom because he hates his foster parents but really he doesn't because she's a kook yeah in his mind yeah um and so so we get some of the rules laid out about him being liquid metal that he, he can't just and again we get the reveal that not because in terminator one arnold can mimic voices and he does it here again briefly um but t1000 can actually mimic people's uh image he can just turn into a person with his with his uh abilities and so that's obviously very intimidating we get that rule uh the foster parents are killed uh jeanette goldstein of course was the foster mother from aliens um xander berkeley who's not in any other cameron movies but i know him from other stuff uh is the foster father do you think she gets this a lot where they go, somebody comes up and says, hey, Jeanette, ever been mistaken for Hispanic? And she gets to say, no, have you? <laughs> I wasn't the line in Aliens. Yeah, it was. No, it wasn't. Have you ever been mistaken for a man? I know. That's the joke. <laughs> of course, it's always funny when I have to explain it, so. 
I'm confused. What's the joke? I, I don't. I don't get why this. Why, why is it funny to change it to Hispanic? I just think it's funny that she played a Hispanic woman, and she's like this freckled white, like Jewish lady. <laughs> oh, okay, I get. It. I see what you're saying. Okay. Probably would be problematic now. Yes. Yes. No. Yes, that's fair. That's a fair point. It's a fair point. Um. Anyway, I'm glad that joke landed really well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, your failure is funny is it is that is that a consolation well 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 i don't know about failure we'll let uh we'll let the audience decide right now my audience is just you <laughs> so no so we explained some more of the rules here that you can't just you can't turn into a bomb or a gun because that has parts and moving things you know like it's mechanical you can't do that but you can t- turn into shapes so knives and stabbing nice. weapons yes knives yeah. and stabbing weapons like so uh really cool but this is also where we get some other rules uh that are really big deals where okay so john connor set him back but he's also programmed to follow himself so john connor can basically make him do whatever he makes him hold up his leg and so on and so on um and but we set up one of the core themes of the film here where these two guys come up thinking that he needs help and you know john just says piss off or whatever uh and he gets arnold to like you know deal with them and arnold's about to kill them he pulls out the gun and he's like ready to shoot the guy in the face and john has to kind of like you know push his arm out of the way and then says no you can't just kill people and this is a really important scene of course because why, <laughs> why? uh because it's because the, the the movie is about sarah connor becoming a terminator and the terminator becoming a human right um it's about the humanity and how a human can lose it and how something that's not human can gain it right um that that is what the movie is that's why they're both so key to what this movie is yeah it's also about you know family i mean he is clearly a father figure to john connor who's never had one and i think him trying to explain what the rules are to being human and being civilized is helping him grow to be a better person because he's already been like a a recluse that we've seen you know been in trouble been to juvie mm-hmm. stuff like that yeah yeah it's good for it's good for john as well and i also i love how you basically the whole thing where it's like okay human men aren't going to cut it but the the terminator the machine he's the perfect father it's basically a metaphor for just getting a vibrator right let's, let's be honest here that's um no didn't catch that <laughs> <laughs> okay so we have this point in the film where the the themes of the film are really laid out and obviously like john says i order you to take me to my mom um even though it's dangerous because that's where the t-1000 might go um and very probably will because it's a really obvious place where john might go and you know on the ways like you know you have to swear you won't kill anyone and of course you get the, the sort of dark humor where he shoots the security guard in the legs he's like what are you doing he's like He'll live. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the movie can be funny at times. It, it can be. It really can be. Um, uh, yeah, the special edition, especially. <laughs> oh, we'll get to the smiling. We'll get to the smiling. Um, so, we, I guess we didn't really talk that much about the, the scene with Kyle, the the, the, the nightmare scene. Um, yeah, because oh. it starts off with Kyle, but it ends in her having her recurring dream yeah. or nightmare. And I don't think it needs to be recurring. I actually think it's more effective. The one that we get later is more effective if we, if we don't get this one first. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I don't think any of this is necessary. I mean, she sort of explains her dream in the uh, in the tape 
So mm. we know that it's recurring already. And then later on, we get to see her experience it during a very crucial point of the story. So I think it's more, like you said, more effective if we only see it the one time. Because it feels, it feels like it's motivated by what she's looking at later. And then the dream itself motivates her to go and take action to what she's been thinking about. So it just really works for me uh, when it's just the one dream later. But I have I have a, a bit of a, a plot hole to to point out here that I really oh. noticed on this viewing. So, right, right. So so we have the scenes uh, where uh, they phone the foster parents, right? So we have Terminator and John are phoning the foster parents, and we get the the great scene where. It's really the T one thousand, and she stabs the, uh, the the husband, right? Um, and it's like through the milk yeah. carton. Really great effect. Yeah, it's so good. Really good. I, I love the sound effect, like especially in like you know, I was watching the five point one, as you can actually hear that the blade hit the wood on the right side of the the audio. <laughs> you, you hear it in the right area. It just sounds so good. Um, so you have that scene, right? And then Terminator's like, "Your foster parents are dead," right? And then we cut to, and I, I remember this cut specifically because this is why it's a problem, is that it cuts straight to the hospital and there's police officers talking to Sarah Connor uh, and they're asking her about the, they've got photos of the police station from 1984 and they're saying, hey, you were here, this guy killed like 17 cops. Um, and then the reason why they're asking this and talking about it is because, hey, these photos are from today. There's photos of the Terminator walking around in the mall and like, no, he's around. And obviously it's a big deal to Sarah because it's like, oh, there's a Terminator here somehow. Yeah, and um, I can't protect my son, yeah. Because that a... was kind of the point of the dream with uh, Kyle Reese, right? Was that he was there saying, you can't be here because you need to protect John. Yeah. But, and if you're here, you can't do that. But we don't need it because this scene does it on its own. We don't need the dream sequence. Like, this is enough. It's like, yeah, oh, that's true. he needs But that help. was like the point of having it there yeah. in the first place. Yeah. Um, is it the same with the taking out the beating? Is that seeing the guard lick her face is enough to like not feel bad for him when she's beating the shit out of him with a stick? Like you know, it's like yeah, maybe, it's like what other kind of skeevy things do they do? Yeah, yeah, we get enough to know that he's he's a scumbag and we can relish in his he's beaten. Um, so yeah, it cuts straight from them finding out the foster parents are dead on the phone to the police officers showing them these photos, and in this scene because it's not a problem yet, but the reason why it's a problem is then they say. Your son is missing and his foster parents are dead. Okay, there's some time passed okay. between. There's some time passed between the scenes. You'll say fine, but then we cut back to the Terminator and John, and they're still next to that payphone. They've not moved yet. So I'm just questioning here: where exactly in the timeline oh. did did the police be alert get alerted to the fact that these two people are dead in the house? Ah uh, ah uh, uh. James Cameron, better fix that. So for the ultimate special maximum plus edition that was an old Jurassic Park reference um, and also the Terminator 2 oh sure but the noise was Jurassic Park yeah uh, uh, well uh, 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 yeah it is but it's also like something people do anyway yeah go sure. on since we're on Jurassic Park hello John hello John <laughs> hello John I really Perfect. hate that man nailed it <laughs> Oh dear, I'll just do Hammond lines forever, shall I? Maybe people will just put money in a hat for me. I'll just busk doing Hammond lines. Um, so yeah, so that was that was that was just a something, and it's not a big deal. It's just something I noticed, and I feel like the reason why it's probably like that is because they had to um, 
I imagine the scene probably came later, but the police were talking to her, but they wanted to split up the scenes of her in the hospital so it wasn't like a big chunk, so they put it earlier, mm. but the end result is that it's kind of weird that the police in this scene know about the fact that the parents are dead, even though time doesn't seem to have passed since the, the T-1000 was literally just there. Right. Um, but, eh. whatever. Yeah, it's probably still a better paced film, which is maybe more important. No, I agree. As some, I, I will happily let like a, a few things slide because if it makes the pacing better, uh, mm-hmm. it's worth doing. Uh, so T one thousands at the hospital. He does his famous because um, uh, again we keep seeing more abilities. We see that he can actually like blend into the floor and then rise up. Uh, you know, we see him stab the guard in the eye with his needle finger, really, really grisly. <laughs> Um, and it's funny because this movie is more of a more of an action movie than the first one. It's less of a horror movie, but there's still moments like this that feel like a horror movie. There's still moments where it's like, no, he's still kind of a slasher villain in some ways. Yeah. So. No, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think people remember it more for the action because the scenes, the action scenes that we get are so, so big, and like you said, the budget has never been seen before by that time. That I think that's what it's more remembered for. But yeah, there are some really terrific horror elements to it that's one of them anytime anybody gets stabbed in the face really yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, i agree stabbed in the face uh, so sarah's got this whole plan to escape she beats the guy in the face because she's got like a, a safety pin uh to or a paper clip i think it was to uh, unlock her shackles um shackles, it takes. her restraints shackles. don't use shackles in mental hospitals anymore <laughs> <laughs> She broke free from her shackles and the patriarchy. Yep. It's a hospital in 1910. <laughs> um, she has Silverwood captive and all the rest of it. And we get this great scene where, you know, she, she almost gets out. She's locked the guards behind the door mm-hmm. and she gets to the elevator and out walks the Terminator. And she, and do you know what I love about this is that as much as we've seen that she's so strong, she became so strong by the end of the first film. She's clearly a badass in this one. She's, instantly terrified yeah. and goes right back to being the old sarah connor and is running back towards the guards who are yeah. trying to like she, catch her and she, don't she, believe her she falls to the floor in complete horror she reverts back to sarah connor and it's it's such a an effective scene you know and it, it takes john can i try to convince her and obviously arnold says the line he says come with me if you want to live um yeah. which you know neat reference to the first film um <laughs> But it, what's neat about it, though, is that the person who said that to her last was the one who was there to protect her, and so was Arnold. And it's like, and it's not that he's doing that intentionally, but like it's a thematic thing between the two films where, you know, we know, we, we already know because of John, but like we know beyond a shadow of a doubt here that no, no, he he is the hero Terminator in this movie. Like there's no. Well, it's the first time that she gets that he can. He's there to protect her too. You know that he's not because. Yeah, the last time she heard that was from her protector. So it's just a, a repeat. So it's the the first indication to her that something is different about this Terminator. Oh, pardon me. Absolutely. So you have um, T one thousand again showing this entire hospital section. Like I didn't realize if like before, but watching it again today, like this hospital section is like a, it's like a it's like a what's the word I'm looking for? Um, like a a showing of all of his abilities, like a 
a showcase that's the word i'm looking for a showcase yeah it's like a showcase of all of these like advanced abilities because we see him come through the metal bars and you know it's the neat little joke where the gun doesn't come through and he's like oh because yeah. it's not metal or yeah. it's not liquid yeah yeah um but we see him get his head split open we see him do the uh the hands through the elevator then they sort of like change to become like like well mm-hmm. handles to open like just all these little things we see him do all these extra little abilities and it like by the time i've done this hospital section it's like man he's got quite a like a formidable array of things that he can do with these abilities yeah. so uh really, there's really a neat. there's one other one that i really like that happens later on in the movie that he does which is the uh where arnold like punches him in the head mm. and then he turns to liquid and then his head warps into his hands and now he's holding on to the terminator instead of instead of it being punched through the head like it doesn't matter where you punch him you know like it's all the same yeah the other ones um and that's that the same very scene actually is when he gets thrown against the wall like face first and he just like right and then he just melt. warps and he's yeah the, the it, right it, direction again yeah, it, it, it just flips himself it's really good yeah uh, you are just fighting a pile of goo <laughs> that turns into knives yes yes that's, that's exactly what's happening but the weird thing here is that the t-1000 after this hospital chase which is a very nice little exit like you know stuff in the elevator is really good um you know john becoming the ammo kid in the back seat whilst like the, the two adults are like firing just everything they've got into him um I st- also the other thing that establishes is that if something breaks off from him it can reform because you get yeah. the, the one hand on the car which is really good um but the weird thing about this here is that the T-1000 leaves the movie at this point for a while. A long time. Espe- in the special edition especially, because a few of the, the, the extra scenes are in this next chunk. Um, yeah. I couldn't... Yeah, when I was watching it, I was just like, wow, we really slowed down and we have not seen the T-1000 in a long time. Yeah. And I know what they're trying to do. You know, this whole scene is just about establishing a little bit of backstory about how John grew up and what happened to Sarah Connor when at the end of the first movie? But um, yeah, yeah. Oh, you probably want to explain what the scene is first before I keep going. Oh, the 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 the, the special edition scene specifically, the the big scene here, um, where they have to alter Arnold's chip uh, in his head, right? Because uh, it stops him from learning and advancing um because it's meant to keep him in line and john wants to fix this so he allows them and talks them through opening up his head and taking the chip out and sarah is like once she has it out is ready to smash it and john has to like stop her and it's a really good scene in the sense that john's like no if you want me to be this leader someday if i'm going to make the choices that are going to win this fight you're going to have to start listening to me at some point and this is not the call to make like we can use him um kind of thing and maybe it is through the, yeah. the, the eyes of this adoration of like he, he does look at him like a friend as a father figure or whatever you know but sure and she still sees him as a machine that can kill them in a blink of an eye yeah what's interesting and in, in, uh the theatrical cut there is actually to to explain the absence of the scene there's an adr line that explains that he's already a learning computer uh they actually add in a line uh Mm. Well, as well as sorry, taking bullets out of him, and uh, John's asking him if he can learn stuff. And the special edition, he explains that he can't because of this inhibitor until they change it. And the theatrical cut, that he has a line that says, "Yes, I'm a learning computer." He basically just says, "Yes, I can." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to, so they don't have to do the scene. It's a really good scene. Uh, it does drag the pace down here. Something awful though. Um, 
because it really extends it because it's a really long it's like a five minute scene you know it really yeah piles yeah, on here it is um i i did kind of like it but i can see why they didn't feel it was necessary i like it for sarah's character yeah fun, i guess fun. for john too you know because he does make that leap forward into being more responsible and being a, a leader fun bit of trivia here uh when they were doing the operation in the mirror uh, it wasn't actually a mirror because obviously one was really Arnold and the one that she was c- going into is like a fake head that Stan Winston did. Uh, <laughs> yeah. the, her, her, you know, quote-unquote reflection was actually her twin sister. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. Um, so. Well, that's interesting because I live in an area with uh, like a lot of celebrities live around here and stuff and Linda Hamilton lives around here and she came into a store that I was working at like I don't know, like 10 or so years ago and i wonder if that was her now or her twin sister it's <laughs> <laughs> like oh um, my god it's linda hamilton maybe, maybe it wasn't but, her twin. maybe uh, it was just her sister but it was definitely like they, they got her sister to come in and like be the, okay. the reflection then i definitely met linda hamilton <laughs> i can know I mean, I mean maybe a twin maybe i'm just uh, i can't I'm I mean, just, she I'm... has a twin and she gets told oh my god i love your work i'm sure she just says thank you anyway <laughs> Especially if you get off with free stuff. Oh, I love your work. Yeah, can, I get you, can I get a free drink? He's like, yeah, sure. I'll take a free drink. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what's it like working with Arnold? Oh, you know, he's he's, he's good. He's great. Yeah. <laughs> he's not as big as he looks on TV, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, I love, because after this scene in the theatrical cut, and it's in the special edition as well, but I love it in the theatrical cut because the reason why I think it works better in the theatrical cut is because in the special edition, you have this big scene where she wants to kill the Terminator and John has to talk her out of it. So it's already kind of made the point that she doesn't trust him. Yeah. And the theatrical cut, it goes from them having this conversation where they're, they're taking the bullets out to her just watching him uh, up at the window. Because he, he's just on guard. He's at the window and we have the sort of the, the, the time lapse to get to, like, it goes from night to daytime. And she's just uh-huh. staring at him all night. She doesn't go to sleep. She's keeping her eye on him. And this yeah. is actually a really quick, subtle way to tell us that, well, maybe subtle's not a word, but a, a quick, simple visual way to tell us that she doesn't trust him. It's like, no, she is not taking her eyes off of him uh, this entire time. Um, neat, simple little thing. Um, and it's not long after this we get your smiling scene. Uh, that <laughs> now that he can learn. Now that he can learn. It, it, John Connor tries to teach him how to smile. Um, can you wh- do it? What, his smile? Mm-hmm. Um... <laughs> Uh, uh, the answer to that question is no for both of us um <laughs> now admittedly i almost wish this scene was left in the theatrical cut because it's very quick and it does the payoff when he smiles when he picks up the minigun uh it does seem like without it that he smiles for really no reason i mean we get told that he can learn i know but yeah. like it still seems very strange whenever he does do it mm. yeah i know it's one that i wish was still in there but so we learn a lot here about Miles Dyson we learn a lot about Skynet and like when how Judgment Day happens how it's literally the day it became self-aware that, that this yeah. happened like, you know, like once it happens once it becomes self-aware it's unstoppable yeah uh, and it's because the, the people realize it and try to pull the plug that it's like well nuclear time uh, pretty much so that, that's that's a really interesting bit of trivia but, or trivia, mythology, I should say. But interesting bit mm-hmm. of mythology for the for the world that I like. Uh, so they go to like her friends uh, down south, and they've got this big gun pit, 
you know, this armory. <laughs> and Arnold's been taught how to do the thumbs up and high five and you know, he's asking why do you cry? And I think that's an interesting point from his character is that he's asking questions. He's curious. Yeah. You know, he's asking things. I think that's a big deal. Um so no, this section of the movie, like, actually, like, I think plays better than the theatrical cut because it's, it's just a bit tighter paced. Um, yeah, it really slows down when you get to Mexico. So, yeah, no, as I was saying earlier, though, I, I like how, like, it motivates her dream because she's watching someone play with her, their kid and it kind of motivates what what she's, you know, what, what she's thinking about um, and that's what leads her to go back to Dyson. Um, and I do, as much as it is kind of a left turn, because it's, it, doesn't, you know, it doesn't feel like we're running from the T-1000 anymore. They've gotten away. They've got away. They could literally just keep running there. Like, what, how would the T-1000 ever really find them? Like, there's no leads for them to follow. Mm-hmm. And... Because there is no fate but what we make. Because there is no fate but what we make, yes. The future is not set. Um, mm-hmm. Apparently there's a dark fate, though, coming. Ooh. I know. Uh But, no, she goes to kill Dyson. In fact, one of the, one of the extra scenes you get in the special editions, there's an extra scene of his family uh before this to introduce them mm-hmm. um whereas in the theatrical cut you just go straight to you know the house and the the, the, the son is playing with the the remote control car and right and whatever um one of the little touches that i love in this scene is that sarah connor as she's walking towards the house after she's already shot into it a little bit um it's it's arnold's terminator theme that's playing oh really yeah it's, it's, nice. it's his theme, theme from the start of the movie which where he was like the more like cold terminator and it's one that he's not really using anymore um by the time we get to cyberdyne and he's like doing all of his stuff it's playing his heroic theme from the the truck chase like he, he's mm-hmm. evolved his music has evolved into something else because he's not that character anymore um but sarah connor almost becomes that character she doesn't care she's willing to just this cold thing because when you think about what she's doing she's essentially trying to do what skynet was trying to do she, she's trying to stop the future from happening by killing someone who's who's going to cause it. Um, right. Instead of just, like, talking to them. <laughs> yeah, instead, instead of explaining it, instead of trying to convince them with communication, she's yeah. going to kill him. And, but she can't do it. And that's important. I love that she makes the choice not to kill him before Arnold and John arrive. Like, she makes the choice. Yeah. She or, or, or It's not even a choice. She just can't do it. She can't pull the trigger. Um, right. Because, again, she sees him with his son. She sees the exact sort of dynamic that she's been thinking about, that she cares about, trying to protect. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really neat. So. She's still a total asshole to him, and I love it. Oh, she is. She, she's, she's awful to him. Um, she's relentless. She's relentless. And do you, know, do you know the sad part is, is that I kind of sympathize with him because she compares him to like building the hydrogen bomb, and I'm like, to be fair, he doesn't think he's building, like... No, he's like Google, that. you know? He's yeah. just trying to build something that's helpful. He's uh he's the, the the guys that are building the uh the DNA for to clone dinosaurs, you know. They're so preoccupied with whether or not they could, didn't stop to think if they should. Exactly. Um but you know, like I, like I sympathize with him because he, he he does come across as sympathetic, and when he's shown the Terminator's arm, which was the effect I was talking about earlier, where I was like, you know what, this looks so good. Like there's, it there's, does. Not, there's not a part of this effect, this prosthetic from Stan Winston, because like, because before he rips his skin off, it looks like a real arm. It doesn't look fake. Yeah, and then he's he, still like moving his fingers and yeah. stuff too. And he just rips it off, and it comes off like a glove. It is yeah. so good. Um. Yeah, and I, I love that, you know, he does when he hears this afterwards, he's just like, 
yeah i'm done like i'm going to quit tomorrow <laughs> like yeah okay <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not going to cause this you kidding me um and they're like no we have to destroy everything like no one can follow the work uh and that's obviously what leads to the final mission of the movie which is them going to cyberdyne right and it's it's curious because they have to destroy the the older version of the terminator's arm and its chip um and he says you know he was working on ai but after they found that then it, that gave him the idea to to keep going and to to do something else in order to perfect it you know so it's curious is would it be enough in that case because you know presumably he's not the only person who's working on this chip so if if you stop ai from developing at this point would would somebody else just eventually figure it out anyway like wouldn't you have to do more to make it a warning to humanity uh, rather than just make everything go away? Arguably, you're right. I think the reason why the movie gets away with this and not dealing with this is because I think what we're actually going with here is the implication that the only reason why Skynet gets created is because they it's found because, that arm in the chip. Okay, and it's, yeah, it's, it's a paradox. sort of what I was going towards too, yeah. but uh, yeah. So if there's so no... I, I uh, guess it's clean, Yeah. So, but... Well, there's actually one element that's not clean about it, um, and apparently, well, sure. Like, if it doesn't happen, then how do you go back in the first place? Well, not, well, not that. Obviously, that's messy because it's just time travel. But now, there's one element that was kind of a plot hole to an extent um, that the new movies, oh. the new movie's going to use in its plot. Yeah, to, to that explain. there's another Terminator arm. Yeah, that's in the the cog. Yeah. Yeah. Um, apparently, they're going to use that um, in the next movie. There's no chip. There's no chip. But that's why it took so much longer. That's why it's 2019 and it's still not happened because they only had an arm to work from. <laughs> I see. They didn't have a chip. <laughs> Got melted. Got melted. So it took like 30 plus years to to get back on track. Um, <laughs> hey, at least this won't involve like, like them sending like a weird Skynet like virus through Google or whatever the plot of Genesis was. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I hate that movie. Uh, <laughs> So actually that's one of the interesting things that like kind of dates these movies a little bit uh, is that if you make a terminator movie now as it is and i'm curious to see if the new one will do this is like yeah can they wouldn't they be able to connect to the internet and like access information is that is that not a thing that we should be talking about i don't know i don't know it's, it's interesting to think like cyberdyne as like a google company though where everybody's like i don't know riding segways around the campus and <laughs> they have like their own gyms and stuff and it's like this super trendy young person place but they're creating you know a monstrous device that will eliminate all of humanity it'd be like silicon valley meets the terminator <laughs> i suppose that was a little bit of genesis though but genesis <laughs> still had that like corporation greed theme going on yes yes it also had evil terminator john connor and uh matt smith was playing like skynet which by the way i i am i am so against skynet having a face and a voice i am so against yeah. it yeah he doesn't need one or it doesn't need one <laughs> no, like, no no like skynet should just be a machine and let you know purely and literally like no face no voice no communication with anything because it doesn't need to yeah 
It's like the box under your television that gives you all the programming. That's what Skynet is, but bigger. But bigger, yes. <laughs> a big box somewhere, yes. Uh, so they go to the on off switch in the back. <laughs> <laughs> so they go to Cyberdyne um, and go in and. The you know there's a, there's a lot of little nitpicky things well, not nitpicky but a lot of little things they have to do in here like get to this key so they can get to the vault and all the rest of it. Yeah, and you know I, that's a weakness of mine. I love movies where you have to, two people have to turn a key at the same time. That's true. That's true. We've talked about this in the the context of Crimson Tide before. Um, right. Right. I'm sure. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's usually for a nuke or yeah, some kind of secret vault. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. but it's always golden eye again nukes but i mean and the big things i mean i actually really like the scene where arnold like blows like the door open because they can't get in and he just walks through all the uh the, the gas because he can and like yeah brings them and back gas the mask. masks yeah i like that uh, but i think the, the big scene in here though it has to be where the police all show up and arnold's like i'm only going to take care of the police and john Carr's like no but you promised and Arnold once again smiles. He has a smirk and says, "Trust me." And he goes out and he and what I love about it is is like watching it, knowing where, what what we get at the end of the scene where it says, you know, human casualty zero point zero, where he's effectively just doing like warning shots to scare them all yeah. away. Um, if you actually takes out everybody's kneecap. <laughs> not in this scene. Doesn't doesn't hit anyone in this scene. Does he? shoot them all in like the leg no no you're thinking of later when he's going to get the truck when he's on the okay. in the lobby um in this scene he literally just you can actually see him firing lines in front of them like he's never actually tried to hit them it's, it's really neat um and blows up some cars and, and whatnot but he's it's, it's all just scare tactics right. it, and this is the big moment where you know that john's like kind of getting to him in, in a sense where he's like you know it's okay he's been ordered sure but He's he's starting to have a bit of a personality. <laughs> he's starting to have thoughts and whatnot. Um, mm. uh, so, no, that, that's that's kind of the big scene here. And obviously, the T one thousand kind of shows up because he like, went to Dyson's house, and then he came here because he heard it in the police radio, and he's uh, riding about on his bike. Um, so they basically finish what they're doing. Dyson gets shot though, and Dyson has to like set get you know blow up the the place, all the all the stuff in the lab. Um, with his uh, very, very strict breathing uh, rhythm. Yeah. Boom. Boom. <laughs> um, the, the one odd bit of trivia from this explosion that I remember from this, the special features in the old DVD is that the uh, cinematographer turned to James Carr because because they, they found this building the road to like blow up because uh, uh, this is before CG was used for explosions that they actually had to find buildings that were ready to be demolished to you know set explosives off in them and they they, they had um, you know this explosion they had like a bunch of cameras in the building and the cinematographer turned to James Cameron after the explosion and went oh were we meant to be rolling <laughs> I think that's pretty funny <laughs> wow wow it no take two for that. Uh, so yeah, it's funny, except that it has happened in movies before. Oh, I'm sure. I know sure, it happened sure. on um, the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, where they built a bridge, like the huge bridge that crossed the river that they set explosives for and blew it up, and it looked perfect, except they weren't rolling, <laughs> and so they had to rebuild a whole bridge again <laughs> just to blow it up. 
Oh, that's pretty funny. It's one of those things, actually, see when you're watching a really low-budget, shitty movie, like this kind that Mystery Science Theater do, um, is whenever you see, like, a, a really cheap-looking car, you know it's going to blow up, because that's they, they got it yeah. cheap from, like, a, a junkyard, because they want to blow it up. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why. Uh, so we get the next big chase scene, though. Yep. With uh, T-1000 in the helicopter... Uh, and then ultimately in the liquid nitrogen tanker. Uh, very convenient. Yeah, it's closing. Yeah. A um, little bit of trivia here. See when the uh, the tanker rams their little sh- shitty truck that they're in that's got like, the little house in the back? Um, uh-huh. one of, so sound effects that are used for movies, like sometimes the, the Foley stuff will use a lot of random and weird things. One of the things that's in the sound effect when it hits the truck is a lion roar. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've got a trivia for you, but it's there. Um, same, same with Arnold's shotgun. Arnold's shotgun is a combination of two cannons, a shotgun, a pistol, and something else. Like, I remember the the Foley oh, section wow. of the DVD extras got into it. it was... What about the... Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm sure that... I, I can see them with, like, tubes. <laughs> making so tubes. Out, the yeah, mortar he's, gun or whatever. He's, he's grenade launcher, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, I, do you know I love actually see because we kind of skipped over it. See when he's leaving, he has his "I'll be back" lane, and he's like, "I'm going to go get a truck." I loved it. Yeah. So he sh- so he gets like obliterated with bullets, and he gets touched. So it takes away half of his skin. Another great effect based on Winston, by the way, is his head. His head exposed with the metal coming through. Um, I love when he actually just shoots like two guys with a grenade launcher because because it, it wouldn't go through them. It's just like a it's, it's not like a high velocity round. It's it's just designed to, you know, land and distribute smoke. Um, yeah. but it looks painful they get like thudded in the back and it's like oh <laughs> and he, he even says to someone yeah hold this you know after, after yeah right <laughs> he takes off his mask um, and then I guess he goes for the keys and John Connor said earlier don't rip off the thing check the thing for the keys which by the way is such a movie thing no one in the history no of the, yeah no one in the world leaves their keys in the the the, 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 the mirror thingamajig the sunroof sun guard thing Sudden shoot. What do you call that damn thing? Uh, visor. The visor. Okay. Sure. <laughs> yes. Anyway. Uh, you should own a car. <laughs> so, sure. Yes, I'll go buy a car tomorrow. Thanks for, thanks yeah. for the advice, Tara. They're really helpful. But that for the environment. So, yeah. Go ahead and keep walking. I'm getting Public transportation. I'm getting mixed signals here. Yeah. Getting mixed signals. I mean, cars are fun, but yeah, they have a cost. So, no, so so they end up at this is the steel mill, which is where the big climax takes place. Um, very very exciting. Um, we have uh, of course T one thousand being frozen and then shattered with the Asta La Vista baby bullet, um, but of course almost immediately starts to melt again and starts to reform. Uh, great visual. Um. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mercury on a pool table. Yep, yep, exactly. And in fact, another great effect actually, I thought was T one thousand as he's like breaking up because he like, he's he's his legs come off and then his hand comes off because he's like ripping mm-hmm. it away from the ground. Um, I thought that looked really good. Still, is it unusual that he has a look of surprise? I think that's a sign that this is really like something that's not computing. Like like something's really wrong here that he's not yeah, used to. Yeah, because he does start glitching out afterwards. Yeah. But like Which that glitching is only in the special edition. Oh, I like it. 
I, I like it as well. It's only just two quick little shots of like his feet on the the metal grate. The, his feet keep becoming the grate. You know, they keep morphing. Yeah, to match. I really liked it. <clears throat> I thought it was kind of a cool, like, oh, he can be hurt. You know, after yeah. all. Yeah, it's basically a sign that he's actually he has taken some some there's some effect here from the from the damage he's taken. It's not just that he's invincible. Maybe they can right. defeat him, um, kind of thing. And I love I love the fight with Arnold. We mentioned that before. We did all these morphing around, but I love where he actually kind of kills Arnold uh, by like destroying his power source and it reroutes. Because I love the like heroic theme playing again as he pulls out the the pole. Mm-hmm. It's such a great moment. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. It's and, a, yeah, it's one of those like fist pump moment, moments where you're like, oh yeah, I'm rooting for the bad guy from the last slasher movie. Yeah. Well, I, and then the other, the other thing that always gets me fist pumping as well is when Sarah Connor's uh, like blasting T1000 with a shotgun after he's pretending to be her. Cause he's, oh yeah. Because he stabbed Sarah Connor already uh, before Arnold jumped in again, and because well, he's she made. She does the. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. love that little pump that she does too because she's, yeah, she's only got one good arm her other arm is screwed so she has to cock it with which one is arm. really consistent normally boobies like don't do that <laughs> yeah um so it's, it's really great but it's this great thing where she keeps getting him closer to the edge and you kind of realize that if he falls into that molten steel that's probably death like that'll probably yeah. kill him because this is different and one, else. one more shot would easily yeah. do it every single time i watch this scene without fail i'm always secretly kind of hoping that there's one round left in there that she can pull it off that she can do this and kill another terminator um but of course arnold comes in and saves the day with the last grenade which by the way another great effect when it's like the t1000s like like blown up from the inside and he's like yeah heads up here and yeah it's it's great and he falls (laughs) in and one of the great touches when he falls into the molten is uh like he he sort of transforms briefly into all the different people that he's been throughout the movie yeah. as he's kind of like dying uh really neat really really neat. it is cool one last glitch one last glitch so we get like the, the sad ending here at the end of the movie and it's what i love about this is like you know arnold's like okay we have to throw in the the, the arm and the chip and then he's like no there's one more chip and what i love about it is he realizes that himself so he actually has that thought on his own and two, when he says to John Connor, I, I know now why you cry, when John's like hugging him and begging him not to do this, I mm-hmm. love that it's because he understands that this is a moment where he would be crying, but he can't. Like, because yeah. earlier on... And when, I like that he's not able to terminate himself. Like, it's just something he can't do. I oh, mean, yeah. it, it is almost like a human thing. Like, I know I have to do this, but I need help. And he asked for help from Sarah to do it. And she for the first time like has that like she she's going to do it obviously because it's the right thing to do but you know i think she does see him as a human after that moment yeah i think she at least sees that he understands and like yeah has some kind of feeling that in a way that he didn't before but because yeah, i mean the cause... fact that he's able to make this decision like for her is enough yeah. To, to be like okay like but it's important though have the, my respect the, and my sympathy the like crying human. the crying thing is important though because earlier in the film when he's trying to understand it and john's trying to explain to him it's oh it's, it's pain but it's not physical pain it's it's different it's like yeah you, you're hurt on the inside it's and hurt he, but there's nothing wrong but he just yeah. doesn't understand it he's, he can't fathom what this means so i love the idea that here he feels pain and because of that he understands what crying is now um it, it completes this journey of like becoming human 
Um, and it's this idea that, you know, Sarah almost lost herself to being a Terminator herself. She almost became what a Terminator is uh, symbolically um, and, and chose to not go through with it. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's really neat. It's, it's this idea that, you know, she lost herself. Because there's that great thing during the nightmare sequence when she's looking at the playground and she sees herself and they have her in her, like, Terminator 1 haircut and, like, the Terminator 1, like, like her, like, work uniform. And... Mm-hmm. It doesn't look exactly the same because it is obviously seven years later, but like it's like oh that's kind of neat because like I I do think Linda Hamilton looks a lot different in this movie. Like at it, it points, I almost don't think she. Didn't, <laughs> yeah. At <laughs> points, I don't even think she looks like Sarah Connor from the first movie. It's almost like there's a different actress, and it's not, but it feels that way almost at points. Uh, yeah. So it's a really cool uh, like dual arc for both of them, uh, where she kind of almost loses her humanity, um, and kind of rediscovers he it. Gains it yeah and he yeah. gains it yeah so um and you know like going down and do, 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 do. <laughs> and the thumb at the Classic. end just just to let them know it's okay just to, like, everything's okay I'll, I'll tell you um i don't think i've ever once been emotional watching this movie even though i know like my brother and my dad do every single time they watch it mm-hmm. but this was the first time i actually felt it when I was watching it, not during the thumbs up, because that's, although it's rad, it is kind of dumb, but <laughs> the scene where, where John is crying and hugging him and telling him that he doesn't want him to do it. And that, I don't know, maybe it's just the acting, but that part did get to me. Yeah. I, I don't know why you cry. <laughs> I, I actually don't think the thumbs dumb. Um, not because, it means anything on its own, but just because it means something to John. Like, it's just, it's just a message that they shared. So he's given him a message, uh, which is why yeah. I don't think it's dumb. Um, I will say, Edward Furlong in the movie, um, like, I think he's pretty solid. There is a couple of lines of dialogue here or there that feel a bit rushed, where, like, there's, there's a point earlier on where, um, when he's talking to his uh, red-headed uh, mullet friend, um, mm-hmm. where he almost says, like, three lines of dialogue really quick back-to-back, like, a couple of times... And it almost feels like he's rushing through the script, like he's nervous <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. Also, he has like the, it, it is like a lot of exposition for, for just one kid who's never really had very much acting before, or if at all, because the credits said in introducing. Yeah, this was his first movie. Yeah, he, he had so I guess for this. Yeah, and Edward Fallon's coming back for Dark Fate, so we'll see how that works out. How about that? Are you excited for it? I don't know. He's not acted in a long time, and he's he's like i mean i hope he's healthy but for a long time he had a lot of problems with drugs and yeah stuff so i mean we'll see how it is um i actually if i was to make a prediction here's what i think is going to happen i think he's going to die in the start of the movie john connor yep i i, I think <laughs> what was the point of saving him <laughs> i think the point of this movie is because things have changed because it's terminators have been developed later I don't think John Connor's the savior of anything anymore, and that's why we have this new like girl who's been protected. It's, it's, that's why it's not Sarah Connor anymore. Mm, okay. Not that it so would be Mackenzie Davis has gone back in time to protect this other girl. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that much is clear from the trailer because you know at one point she says, "Why, why do you want to help her?" And Sarah Connor's like, "I was her," you know. So I think John Connor's going to die to prove that things have changed, and that we have new people to protect. I guess. Okay, I'm sure he doesn't have like a huge part because he's Edward Fulong. Yeah, yeah, he, he hasn't been acting in forever. Yeah, which is why I think he's just going to be killed off in the first like two scenes. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. 
That's my guess. Yeah, maybe you're right. That's my guess. Anyway, uh, I love the ending. I love this this this, this slow going into the 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 molten. I love the theme playing. As as you know, it, it has a hero's sacrifice. It's, it's everything about it's beautiful. Um. Uh, no, the special edition doesn't have a different thing at the end here. But have you ever seen the alternate ending? Don't think so. Where it goes to the future, and you have old oh, age. Oh yeah, I've seen. I think I've seen it in like a deleted scene. Yeah, uh, you have old age Sarah Connor like watching. Don't like it. Adult John push his kid in the swing. Uh, yeah, I'm not a big fan either. <laughs> you think they took it out so that um, not only because like the the makeup is just horrendous but also because it closes off sequels i mean i was okay with it closing off sequels i don't mind that part <laughs> i think we all agree because yeah. they've all been trash but <laughs> um come on dark fate come on yes come on, dark fate you can do it you can be the good sequel i really do like mackenzie davis a lot i like mackenzie i love sanjay apparel mm-hmm. like and blade or not play blade runner blade runner 49 I'm so tired. <laughs> <laughs> um, so no, Terminator Two. Terminator Two is fantastic. Like you know, like there's a couple of things over the years where I've noticed these little things that I can pick at if I want to. Um, you know, I mentioned that new plot hole I discovered today, but the ending always hits me. I think at, the more older I get, the more I actually really recognize what the story of the film is. Because I think when I was a kid and I was a teenager. It was just the action. It was just the sci-fi. It was just the T-1000 coming after them, blah, blah, blah. But, like, you know, everything we talked about with the humanity and, like, Terminator gaining his as Sarah Connor, like, regains hers or almost loses it and regains it. Like, and how important it is to be human and important it is to cherish life. And that's why it's important that she didn't kill Dyson because then mm-hmm. she's just becoming a killer. And that's what Skynet what is. Like, you know, she has to... Humanity is important. Like, if we can't actually be better, then there's no point in surviving. There's no point in humanity surviving if we're not better than that. So, yeah, uh, you know, there's a really nice nice message in there, uh, which is sweet. I mean, it's maybe a little on the nose at the end with the narration, where she's like, if a machine can learn the value of a human life, maybe we can too. Bum, 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 bum. Bum, 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 bum. So good. Yeah, I agree. It's it's great film. Um uh, yeah, like you said, it's one of the best sequels ever made. I'm sure a lot of people would argue that it is the best. Yeah, I, I think the first film was just a bit better in pacing, and I think it's just tighter. Um, mm-hmm. But two is full of iconic moments. It's full of great character beats, um, great effects. And I mean, we get a really badass woman, which we do. I just can't help but love. <laughs> we do. Um, no, Sarah was great in this movie. Um, I think the the only thing going against Sarah Connor in this movie is that aliens exist, and Ripley in that movie is also goddamn badass. <laughs> and yeah. I lose them. I'm comparing those because they're both James Cameron, and not for any other reason. Because yeah. I'm I am all for more badass. Yeah, protecting. Yeah. Yeah, I'm all for more badass women in movies. I really am. There's not enough mm-hmm. of them. Um, we're kind of starting to like get there a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> But I agree. For a long time, it was Ellen Ripley and Sarah Connor. That was like your That's examples. That's what you got, yeah. Yeah, you didn't have any other ones. Um, unless you watch TV, of course, because then you might get the hit television show, Buffer the Vampire Slayer. Fine. 
<laughs> Certainly not in the movie version. Well, no, the movie sucks. No one's talking about the movie. No one's defending the movie. The movie sucks. <laughs> it does. It sucks. I want no part of it. Should we rate this? We should rate this movie. We should rate this movie out of 10. Tara, what are you giving Terminator 2? Yeah, Terminator 2. Okay. Uh, I, I pretty much in the agreement with you for everything. Um, I, I do have some things that I think could improve the film. Like, I really don't like the narration. I, I know it's a product of its time because movies just felt the need to do that for a while. And I'm glad that they took it away. Um, but for the most part, it's pretty flawless, um, with the exception of some minor things. And I don't really like to hold those against the film, you know, like just little editing mistakes or whatever. Uh, so long as the themes are there, the characters are great. And it is, um, so I don't think it's, I don't think it's perfect. I don't think it's a 10, even though I, I do think the first Terminator is better, is stronger. Um, and just like you said, a tighter film and I care more about Sarah Connor in that one. And I like the relationship in that one between her and, and, uh, Michael Bean. And I like the, the slasher element of the Terminator just a bit better. Um, but I, I, it's still going to be really, really high. So I'm going to go (laughs) 9.5. No, I, I I was kind of seeing it going that way. Um, so the one final point I'll make actually, because I've I've spoken my piece pretty well. Um, just I was comparing the two Terminators. I think ultimately why I lo- I would say the, the the pacing and just being a bit tighter. I think the reason why I love the first one more is the aesthetic. Um, and mm-hmm. the, the, the you know it's all set in night. It's got this grimy tone. Um, you know Terminator yeah, Two is it's fantastic. Eighties punk rock vibe to it. But the first half of Terminator Two is in broad daylight, and it's just not as atmospheric <laughs> as Terminator One. Yeah. <laughs> because. But it's some great chase scenes. Yeah. Oh, it is. It's fantastic. But go, going down the LA River in broad daylight is just not as atmospheric as, you know, Arnold jumping through fire in a dark alleyway and like mm-hmm. you know you know sneaking through, like parking lot like multi-story parking lots and. All that kind of thing. It's just as an aesthetic determinator one that I just love. Um, so, but I'm actually going to concur exactly with you and give it a nine point five because okay. it, it's fantastic. It's um, yeah, it's so great. It's fantastic. It's just it's shy of uh, the perfection, um, but like you know, if I'm ranking James Cameron movies, though, it is probably number three. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one in Aliens being the, the the two that are higher, of course, because. You wouldn't rate the abyss over this. Over this, maybe when I see it again, maybe I would. But right now, I, I don't think I can. Where's Titanic on your list? I mean, I don't hate Titanic. I think Titanic's a fine made movie, but I mean, it's definitely um, the lower James Cameron <laughs> ranks. You know, that that and uh, True Lies, which Millions I also enjoy. Girls my age just cried out in fear and suddenly silenced <laughs> never talked to you <laughs> i like titanic i like Titanic a lot um it's just it's not aliens or terminator or terminator 2 or the abyss <laughs> mm-hmm. no yeah okay and true, and true lies is fun in years but yeah i imagine it's quite good yeah i mean i love true lies but true lies is not as good as those four either like true lies is true lies is just fun yeah it's just fun 
Bill Paxton's great in that movie. <laughs> Bill Paxton's fucking great in every movie. I know, he really is. God, I miss that guy. I know, he's so good. I have to admit, like, his death was, like, probably because it was so shocking because it was, like, this random like, occurrence. But it was, like, probably one of the most affecting. But I was like, wait, Bill Paxton? Yeah. No. I think we talked about this in the first Terminator also. We probably, we probably did, yeah. But and really... I don't think we'll we'll probably talk about it again when we watch Edge of Tomorrow. And <laughs> Aliens. Every time he shows up. And what other sci-fi movies he's been in? Probably a few. But, yeah. Predator 2. Oh, Predator 2. Yeah, we get to talk about Predator 2 at some point. Um... <laughs> What a guy. The only person to be killed off by an alien predator in a Terminator on film. That's an epic Good legacy. I hope he holds on to that trophy. Yeah. So, no, Terminator 2, uh, surprise, surprise, we give it a glowing review. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Surprising absolutely no one. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's Terminator 2. Uh, let us know what you think of Terminator 2 in the description uh, below and like and subscribe and all that stuff. Get us on the Twitters at the Ace Podcast to uh, just get updates. Also, talk to us and send us questions for future shows. And um, you can also send us longer questions, or if you don't have a Twitter, at uh, email address, which is at uh, mftvquestions at gmail.com. That's mftvquestions at gmail.com. And you can send us questions there, and we'll pick some every so often. This will be a long episode, so we won't, won't do any in this episode. But um, if there's an episode without a Mystery Science Theater section uh, that feels a bit shorter, we'll pick some questions and we'll talk about them. Uh, so do send us some. Uh, we we do need them. Um, Tara, mm-hmm. people can support us financially. How can they do that? Oh, well, you can check out our Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash TV. You can donate as little as a dollar per month, and that dollar gets you the bonus episodes of The Ace that we do. We've done a few of them now, and uh, going to do at least once a month. That's worth a buck. <laughs> <laughs> Given how tired you are, that was good. That was <laughs> that was good. You pulled through. <laughs> so tired. So um, yeah, uh, check out check out the Patreon. I mean, after you wouldn't want my cats to starve now, would you? Um, that's my new. Oh that's, no. That's my new guilt trip <laughs> method. So that is um, that has been Terminator Two. Um, so check out all the stuff we we do. We do classic Twilight Zone reviews every week. That's me and Tara. There's a horror movie podcast that I do with Tim called Streams After Midnight. You may be interested in that. Uh, check out that stuff. Uh, but otherwise, that is us. So thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching sci-fi movies, guys. And computer, add salsa. Yum yum.